What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. Uh, it's been a little bit since I've recorded a podcast. I've actually had a baby since then. So uh, things are, are changing around the Brock household, but it's been super exciting. Um, I've been on the water a good bit, canceled canceled a good number of trips just to spend spend some time at home with my wife and um, and whatnot. But but excited to get back out in the water. The water's or the weather's been really really nice and uh, it, the fishing's been good. So uh, if y'all are new to the podcast, go check out our Patreon page. There's some extra content. We do some giveaways and stuff on there. Um, and I'm actually giving away some guide trips and some, uh, some gear, some rods and some tackle and whatnot on there uh, in the next couple days. And then, uh, go check out our Eastern current fishing Facebook group. It's where you can just connect with other listeners and, and, uh, download and kind of bounce, bounce fishing ideas and stories off of each other. So, um, without me rambling too much more as usual, let's, uh, well, actually we don't even have a guest today. It's just me and Cameron. Uh, we're going to be talking about <laughs> top water red fishing in the summertime. So, I got you pulled up now, Cameron. What's up, brother? Topic that never gets old. It never gets old. It's it's just like speckled trout fishing. You can just beat it to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's there's so many uh, little nuances about topwater too that are like I feel like really good to touch on and and because so to so many people it's it's a very intimidating lure to throw. You know, it's kind of like oh the fishing's mm-hmm. really good. I'm going to throw a topwater, but I think for you and I it's become more of like a search bait during certain conditions. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's a great search bait, especially in the summertime when the water is a little bit dirtier. So you're not, unless you're fishing somewhere with really clear water, generally fishing places with a little bit dirtier water. Yeah. So just having a bait that you can throw and throw really far um, is always a good thing to have on the boat. Just to, because if you get a blow up, you know that you're at least in some sort of area with life. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it's a great search bait. It, it, I, that in a, in a popping cork, I think, are probably the best search baits for the summertime. Yeah, I would agree. I think having that noise and, you know, water movement and with the popping cork and the top water, you can play around with color a lot. So it's, mm-hmm. just, it's just really, really good for, you know, searching for these fish. Um, I always tell people, clients always ask, and um, it seems like with a top water plug, you know, eight to 10 feet is kind of like your max range that fish might pick up on that top water plug and come to eat it. Um, so when I'm going down a bank, I feel like I'm always trying to make a cast like every eight to 10 feet. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, you could go further away than that, but if you're hitting every eight to 10 feet going down an edge, it's like, you're definitely covering that water thoroughly. Um, and, and I don't feel like I'm missing any fish around there, at least not any fish that would move on a, on a top water plug. And what mm-hmm. are what are kind of some of your tactics that you like to apply when topwater fishing? Where do you like to throw it? How do you like to reach? Well, let's just talk about where what you're looking for as a good topwater area. Um, I like, generally speaking, um, kind of like bay areas mm-hmm. that have oyster beds um, that have a lot of grass points, which I think are some of the biggest. One of the biggest tips someone ever gave me was. When you're throwing a top water, you always want to throw it a little bit past a grass point and pull it across that. Yeah. Point. I mean, it's a little tricky um, until you get your like aim down with the top water, or if there's a little bit of side wind or something like that, you can get caught up. Uh-huh. And I, I still get caught up, you know, a decent amount. So it happens. But throwing it across grass points 
um, is always a good thing to do just because redfish will sit behind those depending on what the tide's doing. Even in a slack tide, I feel like they'll sit behind those just as ambush points. Definitely. And same thing with oyster beds. You know, they'll, they'll be cruising oyster beds just because there's a little bit of cover. Um, and then the other big thing that I look for is like scalloped out areas in bays. Definitely. And what I like to see, I don't know if there's any truth to this. Explain a scalloped out area real quick, just for people that might not. Might yeah, not sure. So like you, if you're in a bay or if you're in the marsh and there's a big, just imagine a big long line of grass. Yep. And then at one point in that big long line of grass, it cuts in into like a little bay. You know, it could be a big bay, it could be a small bay, but just something that gives that line contour mm-hmm. is always a good thing to look for just because they they tend to hang out there. Bait gets trapped in there uh, as it's coming down that line. It'll swim into the bay, might get stuck in there for a little bit before moving on. And so always look for fish movement in there or um, blow-ups or things of that nature. And that's another thing to think about. Like the other day I was fishing in – throwing top water throwing top water nothing 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 and um get in trolling motoring down one bank and the tide was pretty high so i heard some fish like blowing up in the grass grass is too thick and shallow to get into yeah but i started throwing my top water all around like where i heard those blow-ups and lo and behold there was like i think there was a school back there because i caught a handful yeah um but yeah i would say scalloped out areas uh, points, oyster beds, and then the other thing that I like to look for, um, this is a tip you gave me a long time ago, is in the scalloped out areas, if there's like, um, not so much like just a straight edge into the water, but if there's a little broken up grass yeah. Oh, yeah. in that scalloped out area, for whatever reason, those, those fish will kind of hold in that in that grass a little bit. So. It seems like when the tide gets higher, not all redfish, but redfish like to kind of find an area that they can lay up more so than, than cruise mm-hmm. and hunt. They'll still eat, but they want to find an area out of the current a little bit. And those those flooded grass areas break the current up really nicely. The bait yeah. kind of transitions in and out of there. Um, so those are definitely, definitely key areas. Um, one other thing I've noticed too is like you're talking about points and how important points are. There can be like a point could be just a little tiny bump on mm-hmm. the bank or it could be you know a big you know long point and it seems like um any of those points that that create like a change in the way the water flows around an area there's going to be oysters there mm-hmm. and so you know a bigger point there's probably a higher percentage chance that there's a redfish on it a smaller point there's still a really good percentage chance that there's a redfish on it but keying in on all those points and, and little creek mouths and guts um, another important thing too is like knowing where the depth change is which is really hard to know unless you spend time out there but you can also get on google earth and kind of check out your maps whether you're in florida or all the way up to virginia you can look at scroll around on the uh the year that that image was taken and you can kind of see where the little deeper channels are Mm -hmm. Um, and as that tide starts to fall back out fishing you know where they might have been pushed up in a shallower flat fishing that little edge uh, with the topwater plug can be really effective with those fish sitting there They'll fall out that that ditch first, and then as that bait starts falling off off the flats, those fish will mm-hmm. be sitting there waiting to eat those mullet coming off. Yeah, that's a little bit harder of an area to kind of like figure out. You know, points and creeks and and scalloped banks are, are definitely the ticket. Yeah. But um, if you find that scenario, it can be yeah. One good. thing one thing I've noticed too is I feel like the places that I've caught fish on top water in the past um, might not be the same spot the next year. 
Yeah. But in that general vicinity is usually pretty good fishing year after year. So, I mean, it just takes, it takes time. I don't think there's any like shortcut to learning like a good spot where, where redfish are, unless you have a really good friend that's going to be like, Hey man, <laughs> this is where the fish are. <laughs> or a network uh, like we've got. Or a network. But yeah, I mean, um, it just takes time and a lot of patience and just plugging away for a long time. But w- once you find them, I would say, generally speaking, you, you've found yourself a spot for a while. Yeah, I would agree. I, there was one other thing I was going to say. Uh, I can't remember right now. I'll probably uh, come back up. No worries. So let's talk a little bit about conditions. Um, what what do you consider to be you know prime conditions for topwater fishing, for redfish? Um, I would say early in the morning definitely is the first bait I'm picking up is always going to be a topwater. Yeah. Um, once the sun gets high, mm, you can still, if they're still, I, I still throw it if, if I'm getting blow ups, yeah. but I mean, there can be fish around in the middle of the day. If you're, if you're on a high tide somewhere, like I was talking about in a bay or something and you, and you caught some fish that morning and then the bite shuts off, I, it's probably just due to the time of day mm-hmm. when they're just not, they get, a, do you feel like they get a little more lethargic in the middle of the day in the summer? Like they're just not as willing to go after yeah. a bait that's, you know, essentially running. Definitely. And I think too, a lot of times in the summer, like th- that sun gets up, it's bright. And if it's a calm day, you know, it's usually like, I feel like they can see that bait so well Yeah, yeah. and maybe they won't eat it, but yeah, they definitely get a little more lethargic midday. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like, you know, cruising around actively hunting, it's hard. They'll still eat and you can still get them to eat top waters that time of day. But like you said, just listen and, and, and be aware of what's happening. Like if you were getting a lot of bites and it really slows down on you, um, change it up. Yeah. So I would say early in the morning is probably the best time. Uh, I like when it's super glass calm, it's, it's awesome just because the, it's cool to be out there when it's oh, that yeah. calm. But I almost feel like if there's a teeny bit of texture on the water, it's almost a little bit better. Yeah, I'd agree. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. But just when it's dead calm, I feel like maybe the top water doesn't look as realistic or or something of that nature. But um, you can still have plenty of good days when it's very calm. But just a little bit of texture on the water is has always been the best days for me. Yeah. And if it's super windy, it's pretty tough. Yeah, super windy's tough, but I always tell people too. It's like don't be afraid to throw a top water in ch- in some bump because they'll definitely mm-hmm. still eat it. Yeah. Um, sometimes you just want to size up a little bit or throw a plug that's a little bit louder uh, for so this yeah. fish can key on. Obviously, when it's slick calm, those fish can see that plug from further away. Just know that mm-hmm. you know if you're saying if you're going down a bank, throwing it every eight to ten feet when it's slick calm, you might want to throw it every five feet if it's a little bit bumpier tie on a you know a larger plug like a one knocker or a you know a full-size spook or a, a full-size skitter walk and uh you, you'll be able to cover water a little better i like fishing the small plugs a lot but i'm not afraid to throw the big ones either i honestly think trout eat bigger top waters more so than you know slot redfish like i've caught mm-hmm. more little trout on big top waters than i have caught even like decent sized redfish on big top waters and when i i'm yeah. talking about north carolina inshore average fish size so like a big fish being 30 inches um not that they're afraid to eat that but i i, th- I think they're so sloppy they go for the little stuff because they know they can probably get it in their mouth yeah and one um since we're talking about size of top waters and one um 
top water that I started using a couple years ago, um, and maybe you you or Ben told me to start using this is uh, the Skitter Walk. Yeah. Gold Mullet, I believe it's called. Uh huh. It's got like the good pitch, I think, like the because I really like the She Dog. You are a big She Dog fan. A pink yeah, She Dog. The, the pink She Dog. <laughs> It's a great topwater, but it's a little bit bigger than this one. Yeah. As far as like how how wide it is, and I almost it might not be as maybe it's the same length or a little bit longer. The she dog is, but um, yeah, like the the class of fish so far this year for me have all been like on the lower slot surprisingly, mm-hmm. and the, I was uh, of course throwing the she dog a ton like right in the beginning when. Um, when topwater kind of started getting good and wasn't getting a ton of bites and started using that guy and um, started getting way more bites. Way so, more bites? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a, a slightly smaller profile than the she dog too. Like the width, like the head on that she dog yeah. is kind of wide. Um, yeah, it's a, lot, it's, it's a pretty big, I mean, pretty big plug, I feel like. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's not a small yeah. one. Um, but, you know, in years past, in the spots that I like to to fish i've always had like most of the fish have been a little bit bigger than they are this year yeah so i don't know if that has anything to do with it but it, they seem to like that one just fine yeah definitely it's uh that, that skitter walk size is a really good size plug i mean i've probably caught more i've been throwing spooks a lot the past two years three years but I, for the longest time all i threw was that that golden mullet skitter walk and, mm-hmm. and i still that's my favorite color for the most part for redfish is that golden mullet mm-hmm. Really, anything with an orange belly. Um, but yeah, especially in that dirt, dirt, little bit dirtier water in the summer. I feel like it's just a great color. Oh, it's a great color. It's a really good color. Yeah. And, and that, you know, as it rolls over, it's got that gold on the side, and it, it gives yeah, it that little exactly. bit of flash that it needs, but it's not too much. Um, and then a black back. It's funny, like, you'll see topwaters that have, like, really intricate painted, like, uh, backs on them. And mm-hmm. it's just funny because it's totally for the fishermen. It's not for the fish because they never yeah, see yeah. the, the back of the plug. <laughs> <laughs> so you might as well paint out the back of all of them black or just leave it clear or something. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the, the other thing I remembered I was going to say that I would look for is just bait. I mean, you'll, it's kind of crazy. Like, you'll go in some areas that, you know, has zero bait and it's like, man, this just feels dead. Yeah. And it, you could definitely catch fish there. Um, but I'd say your chances are lower. Definitely. And uh, but like a hundred yards away on another bank, it's like loaded with bait. Yep. You know, and that's probably the bank that I'm gonna focus more time on than the one that's just like slick, calm, nothing moving. You know. Yeah, that's a big thing. And I listen to my gut a bunch. Like the other two days ago, I had a trip down in the Lower Cape Fear River, and two different times that day, I ran into a spot. You killed the motor, pulled into it, and pulled for like two minutes. And I was like, I just don't didn't feel it. The bait wasn't there. There was no birds on the banks. No, it does hunting. Uh, that's another big thing. Like bait, if you see those white egrets on the banks, um, kind of wading along, for some reason, man, those those are you. I'll usually catch a fish in the morning on top water somewhere around where one of those egrets are. You'll catch them where they're not too. But but if there's an egret around, I'm probably going to be able to pull a fish yeah. on top water. Yeah. Um, I mean, they got to be eating. Some of the same stuff. Yeah, right? like definitely. Mud minnows, um, finger mullet. Yeah. I don't know if those things eat shrimp, but I imagine they would. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Um, one thing that I think is important to go over here is um, the hooks on a topwater plug. And so th- there's there's some really – there's you can fish. So it's all the spook plugs, 
the skitter walk plugs and the uh, mirror lure plugs all have good hooks on them. Uh, the mirror lure hooks are usually the strongest hooks in my opinion. I don't love the Rapala skitter walk hooks, honestly. Mm -hmm. They rust out pretty easily um, and they're just not my favorite hooks. Uh, but, but the mirror lure hooks are, are quality hooks. So like if you want to go throw that to, a, if you're red fishing and some big jacks pop up and you throw it to a big jack or, um, you know, big bull, you're fishing for big bull redfish, those hooks are going to hold up for you. Those skitterwalk hooks can hold up for you, but they're, you're going to bend them out a little bit, a little bit sooner. Um, and then the, uh, I said, I covered the Rapala the, and then the spooks, a lot of the spook hooks are, are solid hooks as well. Um, one thing I do to all my plugs if I'm just going to be throwing them for speckled trout and, and, you know, slot size redfish is I change them out and I change the split rings out, but I change the hooks out to owner, um, stinger trebles, uh, and size varies dependent upon the plug. If you have any questions about like what size hooks I like, it's, I don't want to go all into it, but just, just message us on, on fa or Facebook or YouTube or on the podcast, um, platforms. And I can go into that a little bit more, but um, changing to these these stinger hooks, they're just extremely sharp. They're very light wire, so you you can certainly bend them out on large fish. But I mean, I've caught thirty inch fish on these these hooks. You just want to fish a uh, a light tipped rod, and we'll go into that here in just a second. But these 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 hooks are so sticky that I've hooked so many fish, especially trout, um, on the side of the face. Like they'll come up and and slap at it and not really even get it in their mouth. But these hooks will hang them, and you'll catch fish that you wouldn't normally have. So. That's the owner stinger hook. That's not like a sponsored plug or anything. I just, uh, Ben Chesney at Intercoastal Angler turned me onto these hooks, and I, I really like them. I don't like them for bigger fish, like heavier redfish, or mm -hmm. I wouldn't be throwing it to anything that, that pulls harder. But for the slot size redfish and down and speckled trout and down, they're great hooks. Um, one other thing that is I think is really important to talk about with topwater fishing is, uh, is what kind of rod to throw a topwater plug on. And so um, it really has a lot to do with one getting you know working that plug the cadence you want to be able to work it but two um with treble hooks you really 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 need a soft tipped rod to give a lot of play to that fish when you're fighting it because a treble hook is is way easier to pull out than a than a single j hook um so i'm fishing a light tipped rod one because i like the way i can work a plug with it i can i can do very little amount of give very little amount of effort and have that plug walking nicely but two you know if that fish comes up and eats the plug and he's got it hooked kind of weird like this and he's turning his head and turning his head. He's got all these leverage points to pop these hooks out. And so having a lot of give from that soft rod tip is, is key. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I mention them a lot, but Tactical Bass, and if you go in and watch some of their YouTube videos talking about jerk baits or top waters or any of that stuff for for uh, for bass, they'll, they'll drive home the same points. And I, I, I like to t put a lot of stock in what the bass fishing guys say because a lot of what we're doing here in the saltwater world and redfish and all that is coming from, you know, for fit, the new bait pops up, you look and it's probably a, a bait that's been got the bass guys have been fishing for a couple of years. And so, mm -hmm. um, soft tip rods, you know, if you're taking it, if you're t taking your topwater fishing seriously, don't go tie a topwater onto like a medium heavy or medium fast, get a medium light rod and, um, and go to town with, with, with the fish. See if you can catch them. I'm stumbling through my words. I didn't get much sleep last night with the baby. So. <laughs> Um, no, I think that's a, that's a super important, um, is, is the play, uh, and you'll still lose fish. I promise you. Oh yeah. It, uh, it, you'll lose less fish. 
Yeah, with fishing with clients too, that's another reason I've loved these stinger hooks is because those fish, it's like, all right, if I miss a fish, it sucks. I hate it, but it's not as painful as like, all right, I go out, it might be a slow morning and we had four fish eat the top water all morning. I want those four fish to get stuck and come to the boat. You know, I don't want to be Mm -hmm. like, oh, remember those blow-ups that we had, those four sick (laughs) blow-ups? And so uh, fishing those hooks that, that you rely on and don't be lazy. Sometimes I'm often lazy with my hooks on my plugs. If they get nasty and they get rusty, keep extra ones on your boat with some split ring pliers and change them out. If you bend them out or break a hook off, put another treble on. Uh, I mean, if you're okay with just getting the blow up and maybe not getting the fish to the boat, that's fine. But but stay on top of your hooks. Keep a file on the boat and file the tips down to keep them sharp. Um, the hooks are cheap. And if you only get to fish, you know, once once a month, two, two or three times a month, make you want to make everything count. You want to make every bite count and you want to make sure those fish aren't pulling off or not getting hooked. So uh, what rods are you enjoying to fish your topwaters on? I like the, like you said, uh, medium light. Cool. Um, I think it's like a seven, two or something like that. Is that Shimano? Are you fishing that Shimano GLX? No, I have that for trout, which is a a phenomenal rod for that type of stuff because you can really launch like super light baits as well yeah but you also have a ton of give in the tip so it's it's nice for the soft mouth definitely uh fish but i feel like it that that rod is a little bit light on the butt end um to really like pump a uh you know a good size drum so i use those hmx's gotcha which i think have been great rods for this is that a medium light as well you said hmx cool um great rods for just pretty much anything in the summertime i feel like you know they are great for redfish they're good for fishing um for sheep's head and even in the spring they're they uh they hold up really well on the false albacore too so, yeah definitely um good all around are you fishing a 3000 mm-hmm yeah but i use a 3000 on all of those on all of those rods cool um, 15 pound is, braid 15 pound braid um god i can't remember the type of braid that they've been putting on it recently power pro super slick power yeah power pro super Super slick slick. and that stuff it's great it's awesome it's so awesome it uh it does not win not nearly as much as spider wire man i cannot tell you how much i hate spider wire (laughs) (laughs) i've got it on so many reels right now i've been taking it back off and putting super slick back on it so um Um, and then the reels that i've been using are those um Shimano makes them the, uh, God, what are they called? Spiros? Spiros. Spiros, yeah, that's what I thought you had. Yeah, and those have been really awesome, too. I mean, a lot of times your wind knot doesn't always come from the type of line you're using, but your reel and your rod, you know? Yeah. Um, And, yeah, just very, very, very few wind knots, which has been a really nice change from some of the equipment I've used in the past. Yeah, one thing that I've learned is a wind knot oftentimes will come from if your line is traveling off your spool at a faster rate than it can go through the guides or Mm -hmm. or the eyes of your guides. Mm -hmm. And so that's why playing around with the reel type and and rod that you like is important. Um, Like I had some, some pin conflict uh, reels and I was mm-hmm. throwing them on the Fenwick Elite Techs and they didn't win not as much and I threw them on some G Loomis rods and it was like win not every 10 cast and I don't know wh- why I mean same exact reels line was on them fine I was throwing a final Elite Techs but 
So I was like, it's got to be the way that this the line is coming off this spool and traveling through these eyes. I mean, that's the only only mm-hmm. thing. And another big thing with topwater that's important is like, or anything is, if you have some slack right when your bait lands on the water, you know, give that line some tension when you first your first couple of reels. Mm-hmm. That way, it's tight on the spool because oftentimes, you know, you'll just start reeling. It'll put a little slack in there, and then when you throw it, that'll you know, we'll travel out in a little bit of a loop, hit that first eye and kind of slow it down and tangle it up. And then you got a wind knot coming out. So, yeah. Yeah. And one thing I had to learn the hard way is, um, I, I oftentimes will tie on fluorocarbon yeah. to the end of my braid for, uh, top waters. And I feel like it probably happens more with top waters just cause you're launching them really hard, but I tie my leader a little bit shorter than I would on like a jig head or something like that. Yeah. Just because when I, I do a double uni to from um, the fluorocarbon to the braid. Yeah. And if it's if I make it like super long, and that tra- is traveling through the guides really fast, that knot, I feel like I get more wind knots. So if I can cast every time without having to reel that knot up into the guides, so I just make it a little bit shorter, it tends to help help out with that. Yeah, you got to think the speed that that plug's traveling. I don't know, but it's probably fast. I mean, it's I, I would be willing to bet, you know, 50, 60 miles an hour when that plug's leaving your rod tip going out. Mm-hmm. And if that knot uh, catches one of those eyes just a little bit and slows that little section of line down, you know, that braid's going to, is already coming off the spool fast, so it's going to meet up to the knot a little bit. And I think that's where that wind knot comes. I've been thinking a lot about wind knots lately because this that <laughs> stupid spider wire is tangling so much. Dude, someone. Um... Uh, our buddy Jeff gave me a tip on uh, wind knots one time that has saved me so many times from having to retie. And I don't know why it works, but it it works like 70% of the time. Uh-huh. If you get a, if you get a wind knot and it's not like a crazy one, like, you know, no way I'm ever going to get this untied, but it looks like somewhat doable to get untied. There's usually one big loop in your knot. Just want find the biggest loop and just start pulling it apart, and a lot of times the whole wind knot will just come undone. That's good. That's a good tip right there. <laughs> I don't know why, but it works. Uh, so I'm starting to be better about trying to undo wind knots, but usually I'm the guy that just grabs either side and prays and pulls, and then it, you know sometimes it comes <laughs> undone, sometimes it's stuck. Uh, but you can all, almost always get them undone if you if you take the time. But I always say if I think it's going to take me more than three minutes undo a wind knot uh, i'll just yeah, it's not, not worth, worth it. it you know it takes me about a minute and a half to tie a knot um you know to tie everything back on and so not a single knot but but a, a couple knots i'm not that bad at tying knots yeah well let's uh let's let's talk to about two more things one color of okay. top water plugs um and two just the different shapes and, and kind of what you like what we both like to fish so mm-hmm. let's just share your favorite three colors of, of plug that you like to fish um, I would say orange, orange and gold, like this one, mm-hmm. um, and then pink, and either white and silver. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, probably more so white and silver in, in cleaner water, but it also would work in dirty water just because white's one of those colors that I feel like can go in between. Yeah, it's a good crossover color. Um, and then pink in, in dirty water and... And I feel like pink works pretty good in clean water too, but maybe not not as well as white. Uh, and then definitely the gold and orange and you know more brackish kind of dirty brown. Yeah, a little water. taint tainted, not yeah. tainted, tinted. Tinted. Tinted, go. not tainted. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've I've been painting up this uh, this plug color. 
they're over there. I'm not going to go grab them. Uh, but I saw it. It's called Cransom. It was like a limited edition Paul Brown lure mixed with, I think, Down South Lures was making that color as well. But it's like a black back with purple sides, silver belly, and then a couple black spots down the side of it. And they look mm-hmm. sick. They look really good. I'm excited to fish those. Um, but I would say anything with, uh, you know, a chartreuse plug, uh, a golden mullet color plug. This is one that I've painted here. Um, and then anything with chartreuse or orange on the belly. Those are kind of my go-to mm-hmm. go-to colors unless I'm playing around a lot. The only time I really play around a lot with topwater color is trout, is trout fishing. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll play around with it a little bit more because you can a lot of times see those fish come up and they're like kind of following your plug as you twitch it and sitting underneath yeah. it. And, yeah. um, and knowing what to uh, what to change to can be can be pretty key. But uh, don't get complacent. You know, don't be afraid to trade. If you if you get two or three blow ups and they're not absolutely choking it, then maybe change it up to a, another color or a different style plug. Um, I'm going to share with y'all my my thoughts on the different plugs real quick. So um, the the really the only difference is the way that the plugs walk and you know the pitch the sound of the plugs and, and they're all walk the dog lures that we're talking about today there's obviously poppers and whopper ploppers and other other stuff but i think the most effective like you know time tested plug for a redfish is a is a walk the dog plug um and so your your she dogs and your um your spook juniors i think are kind of the loudest two like kind of highest mm-hmm. pitch um plugs in the water and then you've got you know the the skitter walks that are a little bit more dull, and you've got the the one knockers and and the uh, the There's other the mirror top, top, top dog. Top dog is that is like a very kind of like deep deep sounder. Yeah. So I like the uh, I, I tend to like the the higher pitch plugs when it's a little bit bumpier. The water's a little bit nastier. The conditions are maybe a little bit tougher for that fish to key in on the plug. Um, and then when it's calmer, I like those deeper, doom, 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 those deeper, mm-hmm. you know, droney noises from the plug. And um, the other big thing to think about is like, you know, the cadence of how that plug is walking uh, is mm-hmm. pretty important. And why don't you take that over real quick, like a retrieve with a topwater plug, no matter what you're throwing, you know, how are we retrieving this plug back to the boat? Yeah, I think it um, <clears throat> it varies. It definitely varies, and it, it's almost just dependent on the fish mood. Uh, if that makes any sense, like yeah, no, I'll, definitely. I'll always um, if I'm not having like I have one rhythm that I do most of the time, and then if that's not working, I'll start trying different rhythms. And I feel like there's probably three different rhythms. Uh, generally speaking, there's like the slow, like dum, 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 and yeah. then there's the medium one, and then there's the really fat, like a fast one. And uh, just depending on what's been getting the most bites is, is generally what I'll, the rhythm that I'll go to. Um, and for a while, I didn't never use like a fast rhythm that, that much until uh, a couple of years ago when it was still, it was like late spring. And there was like a school of fish in this hole and we were throwing topwaters to them because every time I would do my normal cadence, just the medium cadence, they would come up and you could see them come up, follow it, follow it, follow it, and then go back down. I'm like, dude, what the heck? And I had thrown one um, really far away and was just like, oh man, that's a bad cast. And I just started ripping it in. My buddy who was on the tower was like, holy crap, man, you got like five fish chasing it right now. And I was like, huh. 
And so then I threw it out to where I knew the fish were and did it really fast and just start, they started crushing it. That's awesome. So it was I, like that triggering that, that response of, you know, aggression. Yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, I don't know. I think you just got to test it out and throw a bunch of different um, or do a bunch of different rhythms when you're when you're fishing and then just figure out what you think the fish like and start sticking with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the one more important thing to touch on here before we we uh, we finish with this topwater podcast uh, is kind of, you know, if you're going to go out and buy some plugs, how do these different plugs work? And so um, I kind of look at it as, as tight walking plugs and like looser walking plugs. And not that you can't do that, do it all with each of them, but some of them are easier to do, you know, those certain retrieves. And so there's, there's a skitter V, which is like a V bottomed, like it's almost like a V hole in a boat, uh, skitter walk that, that bait, you can walk really, really tight and it actually walks pretty well in current. The only issue with it is sometimes if it's, if it's like some bumpy current that the nose is going to dive under a little bit. Um, but that skitter V, you can walk really tight. You can you can almost have it cut straight back and forth, left to right. Um, a lot of these spook baits, they're just the long barrel shaped baits. You can walk those really tight. Uh, and mm-hmm. then you know, kind of the th- there's a lot more angle change on the belly of a of a mirror lure plug or a skitter walk. And those you kind of can get that looser walk. Um, and and it, they're all great, you know, retrieves. It's just kind of a matter of figuring out what those fish want. And again, this could be like so much information on how to retrieve a topwater, but that's what we're here for. We're here to break down, uh, you know, how to how to target these fish, different lures to throw to them, and and try to help you, you know, think at the next level and and hopefully catch some more fish. So um, think about that when you're when you're walking those plugs. If those if if the fish are eating it really, if they want it really fast, like Cameron's talking about, something with a looser walk that's gonna you know still walk pretty well, fast is good. You know, maybe a spook or a a skitter V or something like that isn't going to be the best if you're trying to retrieve it really, really fast. When I'm walking it tight, I like to, you know, slow it down a little bit. So it's really cutting side to side. And um, mm-hmm. when I'm walking it fast, I want that, you know, those loose just clack, 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 clack across the top of the water. And yep. it seems like the fish will key in on it. Was well, there anything else you want to, do you want to share real quick before we, uh, we shut this one down? Hmm. I don't think so. I mean, I, I've said this before, but you know, you just want to make sure that when you tie on a top water, you you do a, a knot that gives what, yeah. like a loop knot. Definitely. Um, just because it needs that that give in the knot to be able to move back and forth, um, and that's really it. I mean, if you if you want the the walk the dog action, I feel like you have to have that knot in there. Yeah, it definitely helps so much. Uh, it gives it that play and and that ability to slide back and forth. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, that's our Topwater Redfish podcast there, guys. Um, Cameron, it's fun as always. We hope that that uh, gave you all some stuff to think about and, and maybe uh, try a little, try some new plugs, try some new colors, try some new areas. Um, let us know how you all do. If you have any more Topwater questions, feel free to hit us up on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, anywhere, and then we'll be happy to answer them. Um, just a reminder, if you are listening to this as a podcast, please uh, click that subscribe button there on the podcast platforms and go, go leave us a, a five-star rating if you think we're five-star. Uh, if you're on YouTube, definitely uh, subscribe to the channel, and we will see you all in the next video. Later.